0: sharing the board of a growth business. I met my podcast partner for this episode when conducting a board evaluation for a growth company in the financial services sector. What struck me was a positive view everyone on this board had about the way the board was working together. We have detailed benchmark data. And also when we compare this board with others, it came out as one that is performing better. So I immediately thought I must invite the chair So here we are. I'm delighted to talk with Peter Herbert, who has extensive experience in serving on boards, particularly in the financial services sector. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of Better Boards. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at Better Boards is to contribute to creating better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. We have created an innovative board evaluation platforms. clients can access and use as part of a fully facilitated board evaluation or for their internal board evaluation. Large professional service firms are also invited to use our platform. To fulfill our mission, we give a voice to all who care about creating Better Boards. Peter, I just learned that you're actually on a strategy day. So thank you so, so much for taking time out and contributing to the Better Boards podcast series.
1: It's a pleasure, Sabina, and thank you for inviting me.
0: Peter, you served on boards of various organizations. What is actually similar and what is different when sharing the board of a growth business?
1: Sabina, I think initially my reaction to that question is to say that being in a growth business is probably more fun, more motivating. After all, who isn't you know, kind of motivated by building a successful business? Equally, and most certainly in financial services, growth businesses also face challenges such as, you know, ensuring that the risk and control environment develops at the same pace, or even ahead of, ideally, the growth of the business. And many growth firms have private equity investors, and they, of course, can be, you know, demanding owners. But, you know, when I step back from that initial reaction, and I reflect on my experience during my executive career, I realize that the challenge of, say, restructuring businesses can also be highly motivating. I mean, at one point, I led a global portfolio of businesses that were consuming large amounts of capital on which they were generating inadequate returns. And the job that faced me and my team at that time was to define a path for improving business performance or exiting them over time. And, you know, the challenges in that portfolio were also very significant. Figuring out, for example, if we were going to exit a business, how did we energize the team in that business to stay with the task until the objective was achieved? So, Sabina, I think if I bring those sort of two perspectives Mm -hmm. together and think about as a, you know, as a board chair or a board member, it sort of takes us to, reminding ourselves what a board is for. And here, if I may, I'll I'll quote from Patrick Dunn's answer to that question from his book about boards, a practical guide. You know, Patrick says that the role and purpose of a board is to ensure that there is the right vision, purpose, and strategy As well as the right resources and governance to achieve them. And that would include, I think, having the right culture as well. And what that tells us is that from a board point of view, the nature of each of those components is likely to be different in a growth firm, say a restructuring business. But in both cases, the same components are required, is really the point that I want to make here. So in both cases, The board needs to ensure that any firm has the right strategy, but we all know there is no single right strategy. So I think the conclusion is that the task of the board doesn't change. It's the nature of the task that's different.
0: And this is what appears to go wrong in quite some businesses. As I mentioned in my introduction, I really was genuinely impressed with how the members of one of the boards you chair viewed the work of the board, across the board and on all dimensions. It was positive. And that's really, really difficult to get right. We see in so many board evaluations that organizations don't get it right. It seems to be particularly challenging for gross business Mm. So I thought, Mm. you must have done something right, Peter, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Can you share some insights into how you conduct your work as a chair? So
1: maybe I can talk about two or three things here. I think the first point I'd make in answer to that question is that being an effective board is a team game. As in any team, There's no room for, say, ego or disruptive behavior. Now, I don't mean by saying that, that I'm advocating groupthink or encouraging, you know, lack of willingness on the part of board members to challenge each other as well as management. I mean, clearly, it's vital that board members bring you know, different knowledge, different skills and experiences, including cognitive diversity. But in the end, this means that getting the composition of the board right is incredibly important. And, you know, stating the obvious, that's a key role of the chair. I think second, getting the board aligned and focused on shared goals Mm -hmm. is another important role of the chair in her or his role as, if I may call it, the conductor of the board. In the board effectiveness review that you were just referring to, I think at the time we were super clear about our priorities. In that case, we were standing up a new bank, and in working towards that goal, the role of the board was to determine whether the firm had developed the systems and controls it needed in order to undertake the socially important roles of, you know, looking after depositors' money and of lending responsibly. And the clarity of that task sustained and focused board activity over quite a long period of time. If I may just return for a moment to the board's role as what I called conductor, At its heart, I see that as about ensuring that the board as a collective is greater than the sum of its parts.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, meaning that, for example, uh, drawing on the diverse skills and experience around the board table. I think the third point I'd make here is that the chair has a key role to play in ensuring that the processes of the board run smoothly, and are effective. You know, and that means things like, are all board members given the opportunity to express their views and are they listened to? Does the board get through the agenda with the time allotted? How are differences of opinion handled? Is time allowed, at least for the non-executive members of the board, to provide feedback on what went well and what could have gone better? in each board meeting, so that Mm -hmm. the board can improve how it operates on a continuous basis. So I I think those are just a few key points that I'd maybe offer to the listeners of this podcast.
0: No, thank you so much, Peter. Let's break this down a little bit more into some components we quite often see from our perspective as going wrong. How do you personally prepare for the role when you join the board of a growth company?
1: I think I approach the task in the same way I would in relation to any board that I'm joining. You know, so there are a few things that I look to do. There's no magic about any of these, but let me just kind of run through a few. I mean, first of all, I think it's really important when joining any board to get to know board colleagues as individuals. For example, one approach is to have conversations with all of your board colleagues about what currently works well at the board and what they think needs to change. And, you know, I found that that enables me as chair to draw up a, you know, what I might call a prioritized development plan for the board. Another thing is to make sure that there's a shared understanding of the challenges facing the firm and how the board can best help with those challenges. So if I try to think of an example, growth businesses often struggle with acquiring the skills needed to develop the business at pace. And, you know, in that instance, I think, the board has a key role to play in supporting management to solve that challenge, either perhaps through more rigorous prioritization or by helping management to think through other ways of filling key resourcing gaps, or possibly even both of those things. The other thing that I would seek to do is to obviously spend time with management and their teams in the business. I mean, I'm a firm believer that the best way for board members to learn about what's going on and what the opportunities and challenges facing the business are are to talk to people in the business who are living those, Mm. you know, challenges and opportunities on a day-to-day basis. I think two or three things I've mentioned I would just observe The last point has obviously been very much harder to do over the past 18 to 24 months, you know, when we've been living through the COVID pandemic and the restrictions that that's placed on everybody. And I personally feel that, you know, board effectiveness may have suffered as a result and that there's a job to be done there to sort of rebuild some of the connections the personal connections that board members have with management and the understanding that you derive from having those connections.
0: Yeah, I absolutely can support that point. It's absolutely aligned with what we are seeing from our perspective. Mm -hmm. Once first impressions are formed, so you're new in role, it's really hard to change perceptions. And academic studies show that when directors derail, it is very often due to what has happened. In the first three months of their appointment. So what do you think is important really in the first months of chairing the board of a growth business?
1: If I was to pick out one thing, Sabina, and I apologize if this sounds too simplistic, I would say that being a good board colleague is the key thing. And what I mean by that is listening carefully, contributing your points of view constructively and thoughtfully, building good relationships with all of your stakeholders, avoiding kind of premature assumptions, and, you know, perhaps saying some of that a different way, you know, being a good listener, and perhaps not speaking so much as you, you might do a little mm-hmm. bit later. I think those kind of behaviors or principles, whatever one calls them, I think they go for all board members, you know, not just the chair, but all board colleagues and including the committee chairs as well. As I said, if I pulled out one thing, I think it would be that, Sabina.
0: Very, very helpful, Peter. The next question relates a bit to what you already described, but nevertheless, I would still like to ask, what do you do to ensure that you really have good working relationships with executives, non-executives, and investors? And it is this triangle here between executives, non-executives, mm-hmm. and investors that we saw quite a lot of boards are struggling with.
1: I often think that this is part of a chair's role that may not be so visible to board colleagues, you know, a bit like the... Whatever it is, 80 to 90% of an iceberg that sits below Mm -hmm. the (laughs) waterline. You know, the truth is that maintaining good working relationships requires frequent interaction, and the frequency is likely to vary upon circumstances as well. So, for example, it may be necessary to spend more time checking in with board colleagues. With management and with investors ahead of a meeting where there's a really important decision to be made, you know, mm-hmm. in order to understand better individual issues, concerns, perspectives. I think, said another way, there's always work to be done behind the scenes to ensure that as chair, you understand what's on people's minds what are they bringing by way of thoughts to a board meeting? When I say behind the scenes, I don't mean it to sound clandestine. I think it's just that if you leave that process until you're in the board meeting to find some of these things out, that meeting is likely to be, I would say, significantly less effective. So I think that same approach applies to all stakeholders, including investors, you know, they will appropriately be demanding, especially in a growth business. And it's important to understand, you know, what's on your investors' minds, as well as what's on your board colleagues' minds and management's minds in advance of the board meeting so that you can anticipate and think about how to potentially, if this is the case, to bring people together to uh, ideally a, a kind of um, shared view of the path forward.
0: Let's come to the company secretariat. How do you work together with the company secretariat? Can you maybe share just one top tip what has really worked well for you?
1: I think a good company secretary and their team is worth their weight in gold, in my view. <laughs> Having Frequent and open dialogue with an experienced COSEC is vital because she or he will be able to spot potential pitfalls that can be enormously helpful to a chair. I mean, I'd just add time spent together on thinking through meeting agendas is also important. I find that one of the topics on which the possibility for learning is almost never-ending. And although it may be obvious, having a co-sec who can produce clear, concise, and accurate minutes is also really important, especially in a a regulated business.
0: There's one point that comes up in almost all board evaluations. Boards wish to have more time for strategic discussions. Mm -hmm. What practices have you established to ensure that the board has enough time for strategic discussions?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I agree this is a common refrain from boards, and it is a difficult balance to get right, I think. In my experience, most boards have, as you mentioned, I'm in the middle of a two-day strategy session. You know, most businesses have such events. They may have strategy working sessions as well, or whatever you like to call them. It's worth just asking ourselves, why does this challenge arise? And, And I think it arises from the fact that, as we know, strategy isn't a static topic. You know, the expression that you don't do strategy and then it's done describes that point very well. Rather, strategy evolves as new facts become known or you learn things you didn't know before. I mean, that's sort of real life, isn't it? I think one thing I have done with a couple of my boards is that one way to address this point is also to have a standing strategy item on every board agenda, where the board can discuss such matters, you know, on a regular basis. It helps, but it doesn't entirely solve the point. (laughs) <laughs> and mm-hmm. I find sometimes it's also helpful to remind board colleagues that oversight of the effective execution and implementation of strategy is also a key role of the board. I think there's no one thing here, Sabina, but I've mentioned a couple of things yeah. that may be helpful.
0: No more than that, uh, Peter. Loads of insights, loads of top tips for our listeners. Coming to the end, what are the three things our listeners should in your view take away from this podcast?
1: In my view, the role and purpose of a board is well understood. And so I would say, you know, just don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. I mentioned earlier the definition of the role and purpose of a board and focusing on kind of simple definitions like that, I think, really helps to ensure that the board is doing its job. I think the second point is that I feel that the role of a board chair, yes, it is hard work, and of course, it can be daunting at times, but it's also fun and very fulfilling. I really enjoy being a board chair. The third point is there's no sort of silver bullet. There's no magic to how you build an effective board. I think it's about, as I've said, it's about having the right people. It's about working together without ego or disruptive behaviors and having the effective processes in support of how the board functions. And as you pointed out, Sabina, it's about having an effective and skilled company secretary as well. Those will be my three suggestions for takeaways.
0: Fantastic. Peter, a big, big thank you for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series. And we let you go away again to your strategy day. Thank you so, <laughs> so much.
1: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, uh, Sabina.
0: How can we help you and your board? We at Better Boards are always delighted to hear from you. You can best reach us at info at better